Hello everyone, my name is Ricardo Lino and I'm a wheel addict. Welcome to Skate Talks number 32. And my guest today, well, my guest today is one of the best skaters ever, if not the best skater ever. Uh, he comes from Denver, Colorado. He's 34 years old. He started skating around the age of 9, 10. And he became one of the best. He is not that active in skating nowadays. But when he was, well, when he was, he left a mark. And I'm pretty sure you remember the name Brian Aragon. So my guest today is Brian Aragon. Yes, you heard it right. The real one, Brian Aragon. We're going to call Denver, Colorado. And we're going to make this skate talk with Brian. But before making this phone call, let me just tell you that you can get every skate product that you want with 10% discount. You need to use code LINO at bladeville.com or edenskate.com and that's it, you get that discount. And now, let's just make that phone call and let's see what's up with Ryan. Hello. Hello, how you doing man, what's up? I'm doing good man, how are you? I'm good, it's really early for me. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I looked up your time zone and I was like, okay, it's not even 4 a.m., right? Nah, it's half past three. And you, we were supposed to start doing this like half an hour ago and I had a problem here with the alarms. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> it's going. I'm usually okay with time. But from what I know, for you, this is not like my time. It's not even that early because you wake up around these times, huh? Um, you go around 4.15 every day, 4.15 a.m. Crazy. You got used to it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so let me tell you something and let, let me tell our listeners something. You did a podcast with Mike Powell from the Powell Movement a few months ago, maybe even about one year ago. Yesterday, I was trying to do my, my homework and I was even going to listen to it again because I listened to it when it came out. But then I started listening to it and I thought it would just make no sense if I would try to avoid all the questions that Mike already did, because a lot of the people listening to this, they never listen to that podcast. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to leave the the link in the description for everyone who's listening to this, if they want to listen also to Mike Powell's podcast. But we're going to go from the beginning, like if we have never done that thing before. You okay, okay. with that? I'm good with that. Okay, so the first question, I have to do it, and someone made it on Facebook. Who is Brian Aragon? <laughs> Who is Brian Aragon? Um, well, I guess I am uh, I'm just a, a young man. When I say young, not so young anymore. I'm 34 years old, but um, just living out here in Denver, Colorado, trying to live my best life. Um, even though I'm 34, I guess to some people in the in the blading community, that may seem a little old, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's still semi-young. Um, I don't know. I feel like thus far in life, I've had a pretty full life with uh, a lot of different chapters. And right now, I kind of feel like I am in the beginning stages of the next chapter in my life. And looking back, there isn't too many things that I'm unhappy about or 
wish I could change. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things have gone thus far, and I, I guess just looking forward to the future from here. Awesome. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. People do have <laughs> a lot of questions. And even just from what you said now, I'll, I already have questions. But yeah. before I keep going, let me tell you, this happens sometimes, and I'm going to try not to make this happen, but sometimes it does. Sometimes I just can't stop myself. And if I interrupt you, if I interrupt you anytime during a thought, I'm sorry about it. I'm going to try to not make it, but sometimes I just get too excited. <laughs> That's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> okay, so how did you got into skating you were super young right how did you got into skating so um yeah i was super young when i got into it um it was around the time when i was a little guy and skateboarding was pretty popular and i was dabbling in skateboarding always at the skate park doing that kind of thing and um one summer i had actually gone out to kansas which is just a couple states over from colorado Mm -hmm. and um one state over i should say um and i went there and all my cousins were actually rollerblading and i was i was skateboarding so it, it didn't take long before i kind of wanted to do what my older cousins were doing and um started skating and at that time they were watching videos and they were grinding rails and curbs and it just looked a lot a lot more fun than what i was doing on my skateboard and a lot more impressive to me anyway That's cool. You could learn more tricks on the skates than on the skateboard. I'm sure that you were good on skateboard too, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty good at it when I was a little kid on the skateboard. Um I remember when I first got into it, I had been I had been skateboarding maybe a year, maybe even two years, but I had got had gotten sponsored by a little skate shop in Colorado and I thought it was super cool at the time, but then obviously when skating came around, it was kind of my attention Uh, my focus and energy went towards rollerblading. That's cool. So you got sponsors to skateboard. That's cool. What what type of tricks were you doing? More like flip tricks, or could you like would you be like in a skate park? Would you be skating street legends? Yeah, so it was all skate park for me back then. It, I was too young to know even street skateboarding was at the time. But I mean, just like mini ramps, uh, quarter pipes. I don't really ever remember grinding rails and stuff like that, but I just remember really skating mini ramps and just being good at skate park kind of stuff, launch boxes and stuff. Okay. Did you ever did you ever skateboarded while rollerblading or inline skating? Did you ever got back on a skateboard? Um, once in a while. I mean, n nothing too serious because I was always thinking I was going to hurt myself doing something stupid like many of us have done, but um Yeah, I'd roll around on a skateboard here, skateboard here and there, especially like at places like Woodward or something, just messing around. Yeah, when everything is perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let, let's keep going with this. So then, you you met your cousins skating, and that started. But were you at good any good at first, or it took it took a while for you to get good? Yeah, it it took a while for me to get good. I mean, I could understand the concept of skating just because i grew up like going to the roller rink i mean god that sounds crazy to say now but when i was young that's what you did on like friday nights and on the weekends when you were a little kid you skating ring and skated all night so the concept was already there i already knew the fundamentals of skating it was just going from quads to rollerblades 
which really wasn't that hard to learn. But, I mean, front sides and backside grinds, I remember catching onto those pretty quickly. But it was just the abnormal movements you'd make with your legs and understanding. I, I remember the concept of a topsail was just so crazy to me back in the day when I first started learning grinds and tricks. I was like, I don't understand how people can bend this way. I don't understand how you can keep your balance doing a topside trick. So, yeah, it was just all those little intricacies of skating that grabbed my attention and just got me hooked right away. Yeah, but it seemed like the topsail really got in there, huh? You, you learned the movement <laughs> quite well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the topsail definitely was one of those ones I think it was so hard for me to understand at first. And then, yeah, it just became a staple in my skating for sure. Amazing. Oh, but, but you know what? My first memory of that, the first memory that I have of you was in my first trip to, to, to California. And I do remember I was staying with Ryan Schutte and Buster. Mm -hmm. And Buster. And you came down. I think you just, by then you just finished your college or you just finished something with school. I don't know what you finished back then. You were still young. I remember you yeah. were driving some Honda, I think the Honda Jazz or something like that, like a little gray Honda. And I remember I was in, in, in California for almost a month. I was with Fabrice Guillon, the French guy. And yeah. oop, did I lost you for a second? No. Uh, maybe, but I okay. can hear you. Okay, so I was I was with Fabrice staying with Busta. I think um, if I'm not wrong, Ryan Shooty was up with Ollie Short. They were that was some event. I don't even know. I think I think they were out. But you came down, and you were not even thinking of moving to California yet. You were shooting mm -hmm. like a little profile for Daily Bread. Yeah, and we went out to skate some some school in san diego and i remember we you were skating a rail with fabrice and you were just doing the basic stuff like you just said top soles and stuff like that and you did a 270 back royal and i've never uh -huh. seen anything like that i remember i went to you and i told you man i've never seen a trick better executed than that and my english like it might not be perfect now but back then it was even worse i don't know how it sounds but i remember <laughs> I, re i always remember that it's just like the first time that I saw you skate, I was super impressed with, not just with the hard stuff, because that day you weren't even doing anything hard, but with the most simple tricks, the, the way that you were executing them. And then a little bit, then a few years later, I ended up meeting you obviously more times and I saw a lot of videos. And somehow, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I'm sure that you've listened to more than one people saying this that somehow your style got so so perfect that people used to compare you with a robot and it it did came a little bit like that because everything was so perfect that after a while i stopped thinking that might be a, a problem from me and <laughs> from a lot of people it, it started looking like it was too perfect if that makes yeah. sense it started looking like it was too perfect nowadays i look back and i I feel like I wish there was more Brian Ergen out there, but it's just <laughs> weird. How did, did you did you focus a lot your skating to look like that, or do you think that was all natural? Um, I, I wouldn't say it was definitely all natural. I mean, 
there was definitely a lot of practice that went into my skating. It wasn't just like I learned a trick and I had a trick on lock. I mean, I know some of the people I used to skate with would be like that, but I wasn't necessarily that person. If I would learn a trick, I would practice it over and over and over and over again until I had it just the way I wanted it, or at least the way it felt most natural. And the way, especially down down the road when I my skills got a little bit better, I never knew when I would find the right obstacle to try that trick on. And I wasn't one of those people who would try a trick I had never done before on a down rail or something that I could potentially injure myself on. So it, I, I always liked when tricks looked a certain way. And I, I think maybe a lot of the pros that I grew up watching, that's the reason why I really liked them was the way they executed their tricks. And I was more drawn. I, I know a lot. I've heard that response to my skating as well, where a lot of people just thought it was boring and everybody's going to have their own prerogative on style. But for me, it was the people who I really enjoyed skating or watching skate were the ones who had the really nice execution and who landed the tricks the way I thought they should be landed. Yeah, it was, it's, I don't know. At first, like I just said, at first, uh, when I first saw it in person, I was shocked. And then maybe somehow I, I kind of got used to it, which which is a problem, obviously. I kind of got used mm -hmm. to it, and I, I didn't, I wouldn't say boring, but it was just too perfect. I don't know, it's hard to explain. But nowadays, I, I really miss it. <laughs> I wish there was, <laughs> I, I really, really wish there was more Brian Aragon out there. But do you ever felt that you start being judged like on skate events like differently because people actually got used to you being at a certain level so if you would do a, a certain trick that probably no one else would do but people were already used seeing you doing it they wouldn't judge it the same way yeah um i i guess there were times definitely when i felt like that or when maybe i put out an edit or yeah be at a contest sometimes and maybe do something that I don't know. Maybe my skating sometimes just didn't have the shock value to it. I mean, people were used to me doing a certain level of tricks or a certain kind of trick. And I could see how when they see it in person, it may be like, oh, that was cool. But um, I'm really not surprised that he did that. <laughs> um, so that was always a tough thing. I mean, it was always I, that was always in the back of my head. And I knew going into contest, I was... <laughs> I want to say I was smart enough to know that that could potentially happen and that I would always have to have something unique or do something a little bit different or different for my, my own skating to be recognized and to stand out a little bit. Yeah, I can't imagine how hard it is for you to have like a normal, you don't have a nine to five job, but like to have a normal job nowadays because... As a pro skater, like you were just saying, you always had to, to have something different. If you go to an event, you always have to something, you always have to come with something new or something like that. And what you do nowadays, it's it's basically, you, you do the same all day, right? Um, yeah, in a sense. I mean, that the, the whole transition part is has definitely been one of the hardest things I've had to deal with. Um, from 
yeah, just going from being the professional skater and being able to kind of have that carefree lifestyle. I mean, there was a lot of structure in that, but with that being said, it wasn't like I was in the same routine every day. I could switch it up whenever I wanted to. I could go to this skate park. I could go skate street. I could next, next week I would maybe be in Europe or traveling to some contest. So there was, it was always different. And yes, you're right now in my job. I mean, it's not a nine to five. I, it is a nine to five. Not def, it's not 9am in the morning to 5pm, but it's very structured. It is a lot of the same, but at the same time, it's different clients that I'm dealing with on a, di- on a daily basis. There's different problems, unique situations, and um, I, can, I could honestly sit at my desk at work and be upset about it, or I could be grateful for the life that it's given me and kind of look at it in that respect. So, I mean, that's kind of how I go to work every day. I try and look at it from the best light I can and do the best job I can while trying to enjoy what I'm doing as well. And I think I kind of tried to do the same thing with skating. It was a little bit easier with skating. (laughs) But at the same time, I really believe that for whoever got you in that job or whenever you applied to that job, people saw there was a lot of potential. And usually someone who is at such an eye level at something can bring that something into the job and and you are one of the best if not the best in the world at least for a long like for for some period of time so there's a lot of things that you can bring to that job and make you do that job better i'm pretty sure that you're super competitive and that makes you get better at at whatever you do usually so yeah um exactly what you just said i mean when i stopped skating it was well it wasn't the stopping skating there was no hard stop to skating but when i was in my mind thinking about transitioning to something else it was very very difficult because i had never really had a normal job before i mean i had prior to going into the job before i only worked at a van skate park for about a week before i quit i I started working there so i could skate there for free when i was 16 years old Mm-hmm. And then after a week, I said, forget this. I'm not, I can't work in this anymore. And then it's kind of my skating career took off a, a couple years later. And the first job I actually got was the one prior to now, which was a normal corporate job. And yeah, I, I mean, I was just, the transition period was very rough. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I kind of always knew in the back of my head if I went into it with the same mindset I had when I was skating and I just believed in myself and kind of pushed myself and just worked as hard as I did with skating, then I was going to be perfectly fine. And uh, thank God thus far, everything has worked out good. Yeah. For, for how long have you been doing that job or the, the corporate job that you, you were just saying? So with the company I'm, I'm with now, I've been here three years um, in September. And then prior to that, I was with my other company three years, um, and they're both in technology, so kind of lends itself hand in hand. But yeah, it was just like I said. I mean, tried to go in with the same mindset, same determination, and yeah, you're right. I'm I've always been competitive, and I'm just kind of, I'm just pretty driven. And when I get focused on something, I do not like being adequate at something. I will 
just keep going until I'm actually good at it, which is sometimes a fault too. Yeah, it can be a fault, but like I said, for a boss, it's good to to know that they have someone that is just trying to be the best at something. So that's yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're saying that it's been six years that you've been doing that that job, like different mm -hmm. companies, but that type of job. When you yeah. first left the the professional skating career, did you did you already at that job or? you left without knowing what you were going to do well i didn't it, it wasn't like i had completely stopped skating i was still making edits um i think ar around the time i started looking for a job was about the same time i put out an edit that i just saw somebody put up on instagram a few minutes ago right before we got on this call and I, it was my my last wrs edit i i believe is what it was and yeah i remember that Yeah, it was, and I guess the one thing that sticks out was I did the fakie, I did like wall ride, uh, wall ride to fakie and then 540 out. But yeah, it was kind of like a right fakie bio, I, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So when I was filming that, that was kind of the time I had moved back from California. I was in Denver. Um, things were starting to change in terms of pay and all kinds of that stuff. And the skating contests were kind of dwindling and that was the time I really started thinking I need to kind of have a backup here and, and kind of, I, I honestly went to a job fair one day just out of the blue. I was just like, I'm not going to skate today. I'm going to go check out this job fair. Ended up talking to this technology company and I had my bachelor's degree at that point. So, um, just got my foot in the door with a super entry level position and kind of worked my way up in that first company and, learned as much as I could and then jump ship and kind of went to a, a, a better company. That's amazing. So you went, you didn't went skating one day, you went to a, <laughs> to a job fair and you got the, the job that day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it that day. I mean, yeah, that's but... where I met the people, but yeah, I, that was the job I did end up starting. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And tell me, why did you move back to Colorado? Was it the end of the Razor's house or... Was there any other reason that made you move back? Um, I think there was a few different reasons. I mean, when we were out there, obviously we did a great deal of filming and we had a great time. I mean, we had Julian and Dre in the house and then we always had um, visitors from the European team coming through. So it was a really productive house. But um, towards the end, like I said, when skate contests started dwindling and um, skate sales weren't really doing so good. It kind of came to the end of the road where I was at a point where I, I wanted a little bit more money from Andy and I, I told him, Hey, I, I think I deserve to get paid a little bit more. And I, I mean, it, it was over a few months span where I, I felt like I deserved more. I had proved myself. I had been working my ass off and traveling everywhere, doing very good in contests, putting out video sections and, was somehow going down so it, it was tough for me and about that same time the house financially wasn't really making too much sense for Andy either I think and um, I just remember one day the I had a call with Andy and he it was either a call or a talk at the at the Razors um, at the their warehouse and mm -hmm. I just remember him telling me it was probably in in my best interest um, that I probably go back and pursue my college degree and get that get that taken care of and I mean I, I respected him saying that but at the same time hearing 
your boss say that who owns the skate company is a very tough pill to swallow and really starts making your brain go a little bit crazy and wondering, okay, if my boss is telling me I should probably go back to school and get my degree, like how is it right now? Like what's going to come in the next few months? Am I going to be getting any money at all? So that's kind of what sparked the change right there and move back to Colorado, finish my degree up. And that was that. Yeah, it makes little sense. I can't imagine like if if the person who should be trying to make you excited about the sport that you're trying to bring up then is telling you that you're not going anywhere, <laughs> it might be frustrating. Uh, yeah. If I can make you this question in the top of your skating career, if we can call it like that, what was the best? monthly payment if you don't want to say it i fully understand but like even if imagine like a really good month with a skate event with skate events that you want or something like that what would be the best skate month for a pro uh, athlete like you well that's hard to say because back when i first started when asas were around i mean those were the those were the big money ticket you could go to an asa and every contest was paying out um, five or six thousand dollars when and that was like the year after I turned ASA pro so I mean I remember the la the two summers after I turned ASA pro that's all I did in the summer was pretty much travel the skate contest and I, I I won a lot of them um I mean I would go to one contest and walk away with six thousand dollars and then I was I can't remember what what kind of payment I was getting from razors at the time and I was probably getting maybe a couple hundred bucks for maybe a wheel sponsor or, or something like that. But those ASA contests, I mean, those were pretty much what I was relying on. Contest winnings were what I was relying on back in the day before I started getting a, a healthier paycheck from Razors, definitely. Okay. And even when you got like a healthier paycheck from Razors, you believe that I'm, I'm not judging any and I love what Andy's been doing. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And I know that you grew, you ended up growing like a really good relation with Andy, but would you be able to fully leave from your razor's salary? I'm just, I'm not trying to justify anything that you did, but trying to show mm -hmm. people that there's reasons why you did what you did. If that Yeah. Um, I think with the situation I had in California, obviously we had the razor's house out there. So, Andy owned the house. What we were responsible for was utilities every month and, and just taking care of the basic bills. So um, when you put that into perspective, was the check I was getting from Andy um, sustainable? Yes, it was. It, it was in that situation. And especially for the fact that he was flying me to contest and it was up to me to go out there and I, I could make the money, you know, Andy wasn't forcing me to skate contest, but for the way I kind of wanted to live my life and start saving some money and not just earning enough to scrape by, um, you have to, you would have had to have skate, skated contest along with earning a, a good wage along with having pro model stuff come out. I mean, there would just be no other way unless you, unless you're really good with your money and you don't need very much and you can scrape by on minimal. And I, not like I was a crazy spender, but like I said, I did want to save money at the same time while I was doing it. Okay. Were you able were you able to save money even in the last few years living at the Razor's house? Um, yeah, I 
I absolutely. I saved up a good little nest egg from from my skating days, and luckily I had my head on my shoulders right. My parents <laughs> were always there to kind of guide me financially and help me out along the road. So I definitely invested my money and um, saved good chunks of it from big contests or good years, and kind of lived off lived off my basic paycheck kind of stuff. That's good. That's really good. Now, would you, like when you first started looking for a job, if you mm-hmm. have been offered like to stay in the skating industry, like imagine helping Andy or something like that, would you choose that? Would you, or did, did you ever have that opportunity to, to work for, for Andy or for any other skate company or something like that instead of moving back to Colorado and doing what you started doing? Uh, I I was never like approached with a situation like that. I mean, ideally, if you would have asked me a few years ago, seven, eight years back, would you want to move into a a job within the skating community or within razors that you've been with for X amount of years, 10 years? I don't know. I don't even know how long I was with them. Um, I probably would have said absolutely. Yes. Like, what can I do? I, I built relationships with people all around the world. I've traveled, I understand what it takes, like, but I mean, I was never given that opportunity and kind of at the end of it, after I got, after I had the conversation with Andy and he was like, Hey, you may want to go back and finish your college career or your college degree. Like I said, it just really got the wheels turning in my head that maybe this, maybe there had to be a next step for me. And, um, maybe I should just <laughs> go ahead and get it done, especially the degree. Yeah, like, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I have to agree that you did. Uh, like, I understand, I fully understand what you did, and it makes total sense. But as someone who who lives for skating, basically, and who loves skating so much, it's hard to to take it. You know, it's like hard to to see that you're not that active in skating anymore. Are you yeah. still skating every now and then, or when was the last when was the last time that you put your skates on? The last time I skated was probably about two months ago. Okay. And just went to a, just went to the skate park in in Brighton where my parents live and kind of cruised around for a while, did a couple tricks, and what? uh, that was that. What? what <laughs> I'm curious, and I'm sure more people is like, <laughs> what's just cruising around? What type of tricks are you doing? As what Brian Aragon does as a as cruising around tricks just chilling still well i mean it's one of those things where it's like the skate park that i've skated it a hundred times i mean if you took me there blindfolded and dropped me into a ramp i would know when the next transition was coming or the next pump so i mean i know that skate park very well so i think i was doing tricks like i don't know i wasn't doing anything like too crazy this was um i made a little blader gang thing just a like a a couple tricks on Instagram. I think of one of the times I went cruising a, a few months ago as well. Yeah, it was just I like some with some yeah, fellows. some alley topsails. Yeah, just some spins. I remember that day. I was like, "Can I still do a 900? I just want to know if my body remembers exactly how to throw it." And did you um, land it first try? Yeah, I landed first try. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, I can't still. No, I, I won't be able to do it anymore. But like, I landed once in my whole life, and you just go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not there. <laughs> it's just one of those things that I mean. After you do something so many times, the muscle memory is there. I, I just spinning has always been natural to me. But um, I, I'll definitely say I did miss some tricks when I was skating. And nowadays, when I do put skates on and go out, and I miss easy tricks that I used to do without even having having to think about them, it, it, it does get frustrating. It does get frustrating thinking like, I used to do this trick in my sleep and now I have to think about how to move my body to do it. Yeah, it's perfectly normal, I understand. But you know what's really frustrating? Well, like, I, I have to tell you this episode, like, I don't know if you remember, I think it was probably, no, not the last time that I saw you, but one of the last times that I saw you was at a winter clash. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy. I was just pumped. I was skating. That was like I was skating with with Tori Trezor. It was I don't I think it was Orish in Germany. We were just there was a one of the winter clashes that they had like a little extension, like there was a flat bank with a little extension. The one that Chaz sends it's I don't even know yeah. fifty real to alip topsail seven twenty out something like that, and. I was skating with Tori, and I, I thought I was skating so good on top of that that extension. I was like so happy with my, like so proud of myself. I just did like a 270 back backslide to True Spin Soul, which for me was all new. And like I was really happy with my skating, and then you show up, and then you started skating, and I just felt so wrong. I I just took my skates <laughs> off. I just sat and watched skating, and I'm sure that a lot of people felt like that so many times, man. <laughs> That's frustrating, and now it's even more frustrating that you just tell me that you haven't skated for so long, and then I don't know if you skated before those two years, that session two months ago. When was the the last time that you skated before that? Um, it's been like a, a few times within a year period. Okay, and yeah, I also saw this clip that someone also posted on on Facebook when we when I made the the facebook post about these this skate talk with you on mm -hmm. tri skates have you been skating those things every now and then too or never really yeah I, yeah i've skated those things um now and again flying eagle sent me some skates out and um to be honest i mean they're they're awesome they're fun to cruise on that's that's for sure and i guess that's the point of the whole big wheel skating i mean it mm. is super fun how how fast you can get going and and how how smooth they feel really i've never skated wheels that big before so it was just fun cruising and just being able to go that fast and i, I think you probably saw the clip when i did a fakie 360 it was just yes it was fast you can get up to you can get up to speed very fast and you can cover a lot of ground so yeah they're fun that's awesome skate like the skate setups have changed like even even if you didn't stop skating consistently that long ago Skating has been changing. It's were you skating flat or what type of setup were you skating last? I remember that you were skating the SLs, the Razors SLs, but what were you skating on those skates? Um, just the I, I just skated ground control frames. I rocked a anti rocker setup, and I think I always skated like fifty nine or sixty millimeter wheels. And yeah, you're right. It's like, I mean, I still watch skating all the time on my phone, like. Uh, if I see something pop up, I'll definitely watch it. And it, it's cool for me to see that 
more people skating flat. That's the way I started skating. I don't know why I really stopped doing that, but I also see the bigger wheels and the, the more space and for the age block and it's just impressive i mean especially for contest skating i wish i would have been doing that way back in the day i would have had much more legs for uh, for a contest <laughs> run but <laughs> yeah i'm sure have you seen what joe atkinson is doing have you seen those runs and stuff like that it's just yeah i have yeah he can put i mean he's putting together bmx style lines in a, in a skate park which is which is pretty cool and maintaining speed the whole time which was something that was always <laughs> has always been super difficult for rollerbladers to do yeah that would that would have been cool now to have you back on skate and skating those events too i'm sure that you could still put some killer runs in it um brian while you skated pro for <coughs> razors did you ever get like a, a proper proposal from any other brand or you were always like so loyal to razors and people always saw you so loyal that they didn't even make those proposals um well you know like the skating community is really small so when big events talking to people um it was almost in a joking fashion sometimes like well if you ever want to leave razors kind of thing like like we're we're, we're here what's what's up but it was always like more joking you know um But I do remember at a few times talking to USD. I mean, it never went any further than talking at a contest, but um, I could tell they were they were serious, and it was a little interesting for me at the time. But um, it was never something I pursued. I mean, I during my skating time, I just loved the razor skate so much, and it felt so natural on my on my foot that I really had no interest in putting on another pair of skates and. Um, Even if I would have been paid more from another company, I can't say I would have... Well, obviously, I didn't make a move. Or I I probably could have talked to USD or PowerSlide and got more money than what I was getting, but I knew razors fit my foot good. I was great on those skates, and I did not want to leave those skates. So that was kind of where my heart was and how my decision was made. Yeah, it seemed like... You know what? What you just said, it was actually what... Julian Barr also told me, I also made a, a skate talk with Julian Barr and that's one of the things that he told me, he was always in love with the razor skates and that's amazing to see that the pro skaters were so in love with those, with that product. Were you part of the guys that, that designed the, those skates, like the Razor's SL? Did you did you add like a an input on those skates or it was more like just yeah. testing faces? Yeah, I, I mean, I was definitely involved in a lot of the testing. Um, I can tell you before those SLs came out, I was at the office and going over molds, what looks good, what doesn't look good, what type of material, how hard. I mean, I wasn't on the computer doing R&D design for them, but um, I was definitely in the office telling Andy my thoughts and giving him my opinions. And um, that, that, that was one of the fun parts when I was out in California was having that direct communication with Andy. And obviously that then had to be sent to China, but it was good at least being a part of the building of a new skate and knowing that my ideas were valued and, and were going to be implemented. That's cool. So were you also testing samples and stuff like that, or you would only get the final product? No, um, we would, we would skate samples and everything. Um, I could say when we had the at the Sunshine distribution, it was nice because 
there's the office in there. I could be talking to Andy and he could say, hey, these samples just came in. You want to test them out real quick? And I could run back to the to the skate park and start skating in the back and tell them immediately how they feel. Yes, that makes total sense for a brand, especially if you're bringing a new product and you're trying to hide it yeah. from the masses. But like imagine like kids would love to see you skate if you show up at the park with a new skate with a sample of something that it's revealed to the world, especially with the internet days that came. But you came from an era that social media wasn't a thing mm -hmm. to to an era that social media is basically everything that skating has. I wouldn't say everything, yeah. but it's a big part of it. How do you see mm -hmm. that change? Could you adapt easily, easy to that change? Or... Um, I mean, that, that's, that's a tough question. Obviously, yeah, when I started skating and when I was involved, social media really hadn't picked up that much. And you made your name by putting out video parts or yeah, that doing even very well. You. you weren't even filmed exactly. by you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, or going to contest and hearsay internet results on the internet came around. And then now you have all this social media out there. It's I mean, it, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record to everybody out there, but there's just so much content out there. It's hard to separate the super high-end quality from, I don't want to say not quality stuff, it but is, there's man. just so much, yeah. Just don't be scared of saying it. There's like some people that put like their hearts into it and some people that work a lot of time to put like super high-end quality stuff. And some people just do like... Some people do consistent stuff. Some people just don't do quality stuff. But I guess all of these things are needed, especially in 2018. If you look at skateboarding, it's even more like that, you know? And they find yeah. ways to to be seen. But... Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I just think, if yeah, for a kid coming up nowadays, I mean, it's hard. I mean, obviously, if you live around somebody who can make high-quality content, and you're a great skater, there, there's, there's a great starting point. But like I said, there's just so much out there. It's really hard to separate yourself on the internet or amongst social media from other people. And I've heard kind of the same story from other athletes or from listening to different podcasts of individuals who are in snowboarding, skiing, and things like that. It's just a lot tougher now. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like you don't need to be just just good at skating anymore because like yeah like when we started this i told you i first met you in california but you were there like doing an interview for daily bread or you were also mm -hmm. filming with aj or you were going to film something with aj back then mm -hmm. but it still happens nowadays like the guys from k and crew i don't know if you saw the the latest k and video the k and crew video they went to to Hong Kong and they made this video called Formosa. It's amazing. But I haven't I haven't, no. You would love it, let me tell you. But like stuff like that, like people still do a lot of trips to film and but on a daily basis, people go to the skate park, they film their tricks and they put them online and it's way different from what it used to be. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you were talking about you still listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. What do you consume in the skating in the skating scene now nowadays? 
Um, I mean, it's been a while since I like bought a video, that kind of thing. But I mean, I guess I'm a victim. Or <laughs> I, I watch a lot of what I see on Instagram or what I see on Facebook. And if somebody releases a, a video, I mean, I'm definitely going to click on it and check it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have kind of adapted into one of the things that I don't necessarily think helps skating in the long run, but it is, but it is and I'm still watching a lot of stuff as much as I can see anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I understand what you're saying. And yes, when whenever we pay for a VOD or something like that, we end up helping directly the person who did it so it can motivate them more, like even the filmer and the skater and all that. But at the same yeah. time, the type of skating that you watch, it's also the type of skating that it's more accessible, which means that a lot more kids can watch. And that was one of the things that somehow changed. And... I'm not saying that you're responsible for that, but through your pro skater times, that's when somehow slowly we started losing kids in skating. So when you first started skating, there was a lot of kids. I'm not saying at all that you have any responsibility with it, but something was happening that wasn't that motivating for new kids to join. Did, did you ever felt anything like that because there was a time that there was skating was just going too big like the tricks were always like the the do or die the yeah. biggest drop rail and i keep saying yeah. the same it's a, it's super appealing for whoever is watching skating and is into skating but at the same time for a new kid watch some watching someone just coming like on a triple drop kink it's just scary. It's just, I don't want to do that ever in my life. I don't want to put my yeah. life in risk. Yeah, I can definitely see that where just it would be a little bit overwhelming for kids seeing something like that. Like, well, skating's fun, but I'm never going to be as good as these people. So why am I going to devote all this time into something that these guys are willing to kill themselves for? I don't, I don't want to die. I just want to have fun. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Now tell me something. Someone made this question. There was a there was one of the tricks that a lot of people remember from you was a fakey five hurricane topsail. So mm-hmm. that wasn't exactly a triple drop kink, but it was something that there was a lot of commitment needed to do a trick like that. What, yeah. What did you have in mind? What What's your mindset to try something like that? And what was the, what's the last trick that you do before doing something like that? I just don't know. I can't understand. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I, and that was when I was filming for Game Theory. And I had, I had done that trick many times in the past, mostly in skate parks, like with a, some kind of launch or a bank to, to a, a grind box. But I had done it many times. I knew how to do it. And I knew if I had the right obstacle, like a a down rail that I could go fast enough to and get far enough out that I could do it. But leading up to that, one of my best friends, Courtney Kane, um, was out in California with me. And I remember the night before we went and did that trick, I was at Esco Skate Park. And I had kind of already had it in my head that for a while, for weeks or maybe even months, that I was going to go back and do that for game theory. And it was going to be my ender trick. Um, and I remember going to Esco Park that night 
and doing that trick over and over and over. I probably did it 15 times that night and I missed it a few times, but I kind of just went into it with the mindset like, okay, if I can just get my body used to this movement and get my confidence up, then I'm pretty sure I can do it on something like that. So that night, I honestly couldn't sleep all night. Like I was having the worst time sleeping because I knew the like the risk involved with that trick. It, it was like you're either going to land it or maybe one slam and, and probably not going to be able to skate for a little while. So we had gone there and start i just do a couple topsails you know then i move on to a hurricane topsail and i want to say i hurricane topsailed at first try and my confidence just with that first try hurricane topsail my confidence just went up super high and then it really got down to do or die time where i was started doing my whole approach fakie trying to test the speed and um i want to say within third try of it, it was i i don't think i did more than three tries on that trick but I think on the third try, I, I kind of got it where I thought it was good enough for the video. And that was the first two tries. That's, that's the question. The, and the, yeah, the, the first two tries, I, I was actually pretty lucky and didn't really slam too hard. Um, I think I locked every, every one that I spun to. But I think I just went over too far and got far side and, and ended up rolling down the dirt. But uh, I was fortunate that I didn't take a hard slam because... I mean, it was just taking one small movement to cause a pretty bad accident on that trick. <laughs> okay, so that's obviously a trick that you're proud of. But is that your proudest trick ever done on skates? Or, or what's like, if we had to choose like the top three tricks that you feel proud of doing it, what would they be? Um, I'd say that's definitely one of the ones in my top three, if not the, the top. And that was just so cool because all my friends were around. We had been out skating that whole day, and that was the last spot. So I had one of my best friends from Colorado out there, and then I had Julian, Jeff Howard, um, Dre. And it was just like one of those nostalgic moments when everybody was like happy, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like I had my best friends there, and even though they didn't land the trick, they were so happy. So it was just, I don't know, it was just cool. And I, I don't... I don't think anybody had ever seen it done on a down rail like that. I could be wrong. I don't want to say I'm the first to ever do it. I'm sure somebody did it somewhere before me, but uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, another one was uh, maybe Rancho Bernardo, the 540 Soyal on the, on the kind of big rail. That was yes. that was pretty cool. I don't know. All When I think back, the best memories I have are the excitement with my friends after landing a trick like that. Cause there's a, there was a lot of times when I was skating just with a filmer and I landed some pretty hard tricks, but they're not as memorable to me because I didn't get to share the experience with, with other people, with my friends. <laughs> that must have been so weird. Like I can't imagine because skating for a company like you did just for like for mind game, you guys, every time there was a video coming out, the videos were just, They were shocking. They were shockingly good. But they also had to add that surprise factor. So you guys had to film a lot with the filmer only. Was that it? Or Yeah. Um, I, definitely later in my career when I was doing a lot more of the Razor stuff, there was it just got to a point where it was so hard to skate in Southern California if you had a lot of people with you where 
it really just made more sense to go out with a filmer if you were trying to get things done. And while that's productive sometimes, and it's still fun, you're still doing cool stuff, but it's not as fun as when you have your friends around, which is kind of the reason you skate too, is because it's fun and hang out with your friends and you all share the same passion. Yeah, it makes total sense to me what you're saying, but I, I, I can't understand what you're saying. If you want to be productive, um, one of the things that the la one of the last times that I was in California and I was with Andy, one of the things that he told me was that somehow the productivity of the razor's owl, the razor's house wasn't going the way the the way that he was expecting. Basically, he would love to have you guys like you, Dre, murder more often like. From what he said, it was close to the skate park. I think it was the, the Esco skate park, right? Um, I know what you're talking about. It yeah. was actually Encinitas skate park is yes. what you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. you always said that you would have loved to have you guys more often in that skate park and that thing somehow wasn't happening. Do you, would, you, would you do things differently if you would be back in the house? I, I don't expect you to be back in the house now, especially once you move back and if you have a family, whatever, things change. Mm -hmm. But would you, would you do things differently nowadays? You know, I, I don't think I would. I mean, when I think back to the whole California thing, the whole California housing situation, that was one of the most productive times in my career. If you want to talk about the most edits I put out, the most video sections I filmed, the most countries I traveled to, just the most skating I did in general. Like, if you want to put it into the shortest amount of time, that was it. My California stay, those three years I was out there, it was jam-packed. And, and I think Andy had a very different idea. He thought that us going to Encinitas Skate Park. So there's a difference. Esco Skate Park is what we all have kind of grown up watching, the Esco Zoo guy skate. It's a very well-known skate park, and it has a good. It, you, it had a good scene when we were out there, and we did skate. I mean, I skated that almost maybe a, once a week, twice a week, and we'd have the whole crew out there skating. Mm -hmm. But Andy's idea was Encinitas Skate Park, and Encinitas Skate Park is completely different than Esco. There's no rollerbladers there. You go there. It's built for skateboarders. Um, That's where some of the best vert skateboarders in the world go on a consistent basis. And um, I think Andy's idea was kind of that having us pro skaters go to a, a place like that, that maybe these kids would start converting to be rollerbladers. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe he's not too far off in that thought process, but I mean, there were skateboarders at Escondido as well. But I, I think Encinitas Park is known by skateboarders. It's, it's where Sean White, White trained when he was little. I mean, it is the mecca for skateboarding. So, I mean, we did go there a few times, but it's really hard to go to a skate park that's not, that's not fun, that just sucks. And, um, yeah, it was just a hard thing to do. And I remember one day I was there. I didn't really want to go there, but I knew Andy wanted us to go there. And I went there, and I remember skating really fast towards something and a skateboard deck flying off of something like a quarter pipe that was like five feet tall hitting me directly in the kneecap and then i couldn't skate for like two weeks after that 
So I was like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm not having fun. I don't see any kids. Like, I'm trying to be cool with these kids. They don't want to, they don't want to inline skate. They want to skateboard. Yeah, the kids were already there with a, with something in mind. It was probably, you sh it should be the previous stage. You should be closer to the shop where they buy the first skate. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think maybe me and Andy had different ideas about what was productive in the house. And I know for a while when I came back to Colorado, there was times where he would say there, there wasn't enough content coming out of the house. But, um, I mean, it, it takes time to make quality to make quality edits. It takes time to film all this stuff. And um, as much fun as it was, it, it really did look uh, like a job towards the end of it, where if I wasn't skating every day, I kind of felt like I was being judged for it. And I mean, at that point, I was, it's not realistic to skate at the at the top of your game every single day when you're learning tricks and doing hard tricks, you're going to get injured. Your body's going to get tired. And, um, down the road, that's kind of where some of my injuries I feel like came from. And I was just pushing it a little too hard. And like I said, me and Andy just had different ideas about what was productive and what was realistic. Yes. I guess, I guess Andy slowly, I wouldn't say started comparing with scootering, but there was a lot of scootering that was he was dealing with. So there was a sport that was just growing. Basically, yeah. there were no pros at the, at the time, but there was already a lot of kids doing it, and they were all mm -hmm. wanted to be pros, or they were all new pros or whatever, all super excited. Everything was new, and then on the other end, there would be you guys that were already established pro skaters you wouldn't want to put any tricks that weren't topping the ones before somehow because you wanted to have mm -hmm. a section. So it was a lot harder for you to have like a, a section that you would feel proud that you would feel confident to put out than for a new sport that everything is new and everything is exciting. So that might have been the main difference when it comes to productivity for the boss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like scootering was kind of, the scootering side of the business was going off towards the end and yeah, obviously we were still skating and yeah, there was a little conflict of interest. I felt like on everybody's part towards the end. So <laughs> there was also that. Yeah. But I always seem like every time I speak about Andy and razors, it feels like I always defend, I'm always defending him when it comes to the uh -huh. scooter game, because I do know that there was a, there was some years, and I don't know if it's still like that, but there was a few years that Razors were actually being supported a lot by the scooter business because if the numbers mm -hmm. went down, it wouldn't have been the side business with scooters. Probably there wouldn't be money enough to put into the skating industry. I don't know if it's still like there or or what changed nowadays with, with Razors, but there was at least a few years that was a little bit like that so things have yeah. changed and you know what you moved away from it and it is what it is but you said when you, the last sentence that like the last few words that you said you spoke about injuries and you said like it wasn't productive you it was just not realistic for you to skate every day and learn new tricks what was your worst injury in skating um without a doubt is when I snapped my, I broke my ankle. Um, 
I was in, I was at Woodward West, and the day before, I had just won a contest. I had just won an ASA contest in Northern California. I think it was a Sacramento ASA. I can't remember what year. But I had just come off a win over there and feeling really good. And um, I remember at that point, I, I had like 900s on lock, and a lot of people had 900s on lock at, the point, at that time. I remember you still like, have them. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, I wanted I wanted to be able to do four 1080s as confidently as I could be doing 900. So, and I went out to Woodward and had the idea in mind where I was going to get my my 1080s on lock over there. They had a foam pit, blah blah blah. Um, either way, just one day I was throwing the 1080s over the the box and got a little too over rotated. Ended up going land i landed on my feet but i was rotating in such a way that i ended up sitting on my ankle and mm. just hearing the break and all the ligaments popping and yeah it was that was the worst for sure Oof. how long did it took to recover um i remember being in my i had surgery immediately and then i was in a boot for like three and a half four months and then i slowly started walking and just getting back into it slowly but i just remember cause i still have the pins in my ankle from it i still have a plate and eight screws and i just never ended up taking them out because they don't really hurt me but i still have those too. i just remember <laughs> I, I just didn't i just didn't know if i was ever going to be able to be at the same level i was at you know you start worrying about mobility and listening too much to, to what the doctors say and yeah. So yeah, that was the worst. And then I'd say the second worst was obviously the infamous fall at Winter Clash when I smacked my my head on the ground. So that was that was cool as well. What happened there with that one? Um, that one I was just way too hype. Um, I used to love that quarter pipe at that skate park, and I was just like, I can go as fast as I want and hit this as hard as I want, and I'm gonna land perfect. And I ended up. <laughs> And pushing out just a little bit. And when I was coming down where I thought I would be landing on transition, I was landing right near the bottom. So obviously when you're braced to land on a portion yeah. of vert and then you hit the ground, yeah, my face took a lot of the beating. And obviously flying home with your eyes swollen shut from a foreign country and wondering if you're face is fractured or the swelling's ever going to go down that was pretty cool yeah someone <laughs> as was was asking on the comments if, if there was one of the things that make you think about is this what i want skating <laughs> um but i i wouldn't say that that necessarily put any opinion into my mind or or moved me in one direction or the other i mean besides it hurting and my face hurting for a few weeks uh it didn't really change the fact that i had been through injuries before and uh I, it was just part of the game for me you know obviously you don't want to hit your face but uh <laughs> i was used to dealing with it so all good brian looking at skating in 2018 What's the skater that makes you more excited? Like if, if you look at like consistently to stuff, who, who's the guy that you like to see skating the most? Um, I really like watching Eugene skate. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think he brings a, a different flavor to the, to the skating game. I mean, he brings some tricks that, um, are just unique, you know, like unique ways of doing tricks, unique obstacles, which is really cool and refreshing to watch. But then with that being said, it's always whenever I see anything Broskow come out or anything Sean Kelso, it's like, I grew up with those guys. I grew up skating and watching those guys and, They've they've been skating hard without any stoppage, really. So I, I just feel like they have such a way of skating about them where, like I said, I like when tricks are done properly. And especially when you look at Broskow, he's like the definition of power and preciseness. So it is cool to watch him, even though like sometimes there's a piece of me like, ah, it's so frustrating. I, I wish I could still do that. I want to skate that good right now. And then I think about going to work the next day in like seven hours and then it kind of kills my vibe <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to wake up too early to be able to skate like that <laughs> yeah. <way. laughs> okay. yeah so basically you were like a top pro at the same time as someone who had a completely different style from yours was also a top pro What was your opinion about Oli short skating? Oli was one of my favorite skaters at the time. And every time that I, there was a time that I used to say that I, I used to love the way that you skated. But like we said in the beginning of this conversation, somehow it was too perfect. And Oli, a lot of times it felt like Oli was falling, was about to die. And then he pulls out, you know, it was like somehow mm -hmm. I always felt like somehow it was exciting but yeah. you were on the, the the opposite side of that it was completely different what was what's your opinion about this skating or something someone that skated like holly did yeah um well holly as a person was just one of the nicest kids you could ever talk to he was just super cool but yeah to me his skating i knew he he's always good but it was just not the type of skating that i was really into i mean I was more into technical tricks and spin, spinning the tricks. And um, while he made it look very good for what, well, he, he may always made it interesting, I should say, yeah. for me anyway. <laughs> so I, I, I won't say I was always super impressed with the tricks that he was doing, but I, I will say that Ollie had a style of his own and he had a way of skating and looking at spots. And he also did a lot of crazy shit. I mean, there was a lot of risk involved with the skating that he did. So, I mean, different kinds of skating appeals to different kinds of people. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people will relate to that. And, yeah, did, did you know that Oli was one of the first ones to actually do spinning into tricks? I think, if I'm not wrong, even before seeing Abdil doing the Hurricane Topsail in California, I think it was in FOR2 or something like that, FOR3, I don't remember, FOR2. Mm -hmm. Even before that, Holly was doing Hurricane Topsails and Hurricane Fishman in a really, in a really tall rail in London. You used to skate for roaches and for roses. Mm -hmm. And Holly went through all that spinning era and somehow he just, started choosing a different way which is mm -hmm. it's weird and it, it just ended up being something so different like you just said that's why i was interested in hearing your opinion <laughs> yeah and i i think i do remember seeing ollie back in the day maybe doing tricks like that especially like 
in the baggy clothes era when mm -hmm. you first started seeing clips of Ollie. But, um, yeah, I mean, not that I don't think he has ever had the skill to do that, but you're right. He just kind of chose his own path and it was definitely a, a more creative path than probably um, that of mine. <laughs> so you were, you were just talking like about, um, the big pants era someone was just asking yep. <laughs> pants with a z or pants with a s is it like big pants or like tight pants <laughs> <laughs> what do you wear nowadays <laughs> i mean nowadays it's like just normal pants and slacks <laughs> if i have to wear slacks to work you know but i mean i look back at like skating videos and it's because When I see myself wearing like super big pants back in the day, I'm like, God, what was I thinking back then? <laughs> But at the time, I mean, I thought I was super sick. I mean, I feel like that's the story that you always hear old men say. <laughs> But like, I was way cool back in the day. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I like how I look towards the end of my skating when my pants were a little more fitting and normal looking. <laughs> definitely. Dude, yeah, I have to tell you that one of my favorite skaters to watch use the he still uses the biggest pants ever you know that russian guy dima you might have skated with him in moscow yeah D dima yeah i see dima come pop up on edits once in a while and he does have he just has a really cool way of skating he has really flowy and he looks like a freestyle skier on rollerblades he, he just makes is a freestyle really skier yeah and that's <laughs> why it just looks so fluid for him <laughs> now bringing the skiing thing into this Uh, why snowboarding and not skiing? So when I was younger, around the same time when like, I mean, I was skating really hard. I just got into snowboarding with my school. They took us on a snowboard trip and they put us in lessons. And at the time, I just <laughs> snowboarding was the coolest thing out at the time. Like skiing wasn't that cool. So everybody wanted to snowboard and that's what i learned and then every day on the mountain after that was like well why am i going to learn to ski when i can already snowboard good like <laughs> i don't want to waste a day on the mountain i already i don't get to come up here that often as it is but you live really close to the mountain don't you you could do it like more. um i mean it, it's a drive and now that i'm getting older and the city's getting more congested you can get i mean if you wake up at the right time it only takes an hour and a half to get up there but Yeah, I get it. But you were yeah. too much into skating to this point. <laughs> okay, we're almost coming to an end. Someone was also asking, what's your opinion about the mushroom blading style of skating, that big wheel, but not just the big wheel at speed, but like more the, the trickery big wheel stuff? Um, I've seen some stuff where I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool. Like some of the wheel slides I've seen or some of the obnoxious toe rolls that i've seen like i'll admit when something is difficult and that's really hard to do like and that some of that stuff that i've seen has been pretty cool and some of like the wall ride the jump around stuff and um jumping long distances on the ledges and stuff that that i mean that's appealing to me it's like just kind of like skating like parkour going fast doing stuff like that But then on, with that being said, I've also seen some really weird big blading stuff that like I watch <laughs> and it, it kind of almost makes me laugh in a way like, 
what the heck did he just do? Like, he just kicked, he just kicked this wall and then jumped on this roll and then, I don't know. I see some weird stuff where <laughs> it makes me laugh too. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> okay, so now the money question. When are we going to see you on skates? Like, are we ever going to see you on skates consistently, like trying to skate on weekends consistently, or it's just not going to happen? I don't know. I've thought about that a while, and then it's like, I I will always love skating. I can't really say or commit that I'm going to be skating every weekend again in the near future. Um I don't know. I have a lot of hobbies now. And like I said, skating was kind of one of the best chapters in my life. But now I'm kind of exploring and getting to do things that I never really tried or really got into when I was so involved with skating. So it's been cool doing that. But I'm also dealing with I've, I've been dealing with a back issue since I stopped skating, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the things I have a bulging disc in my back. And I don't want to get into all the things that I've done to try and help this, but it's like if I go skate one day, then I pay for it for like three or four days after the fact. So it does make it hard to do it consistently. And I obviously don't want to get into any back surgeries. And you just talked to Miguel and I'm sure he could tell you a lot more, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Back issues are not fun. Okay. So let me tell you something also. So for a few years, I was skating like, I wouldn't say like you, but I was skating every single day and I would try to challenge myself into bigger rails and to the biggest stuff that I could find. And it just, I, I ended up breaking my ankle just like you did. I still have the plate, still have the screws. And there was a time that I couldn't just skate. That was it. But like, I couldn't yeah. skate because my only way of looking at skating was just going bigger, going higher and spin a little more even if i was never into spinning but that was the only way that i could see skating and somehow just like you were just saying now i ended up finding out about biking and i started riding bikes just to move around and my car broke and then i started doing tricks and i ended up becoming good at it and i guess whatever you're doing right now i i believe that you're good at it i don't even know what type of obis do you have but it's just I guess being competitive as you are, you're going to be good at anything. But just like it's also said, that passion for skating never goes away. And then for me, what made me skate the way that I do nowadays was actually what you just said. That's why I'm saying this now. It's just I, I kind of I was hearing myself talking when you were saying that. It's just I I always thought that I could never skate again as consistently. And I have to admit that that was because of the way that I, I could only see skating going and the big wheel thing and being able to do like little things. Maybe the kick on the wall that seems stupid at a when we look at skating in a certain way, after a while it starts making sense because in the end, it's like you just said, it's all about the fun of it. Yeah. It's just somehow maybe... I don't... I'm not a, an advisor or anything like that. I'm just trying to to make you think that skating somehow can be different than just going to the skate park and killing it in that way you know like using the big wheels differently or probably that would be the way for you to use it more consistently to do it on weekends and to do it with other friends because maybe i don't even know if you have any skate friends that you are 
on weekends or anything like that but if you don't if you're gonna try to bring anyone into skating with the, the level of skating that you have i don't think they want to <laughs> want to skate every weekend you know so maybe start from the beginning or just like get a pair of skates and just go out there and just cruise have fun <laughs> yeah exactly and i i'm no fool i mean i've been there I know what it's like when I put a pair of skates on and it's very hard to break that mindset once you have it built in of always wanting to land your hardest tricks, be consistent. It's very hard to break away from that mindset and just get out there and have fun and realize why you started skating to begin with. And I think the last few times that I went skating, I was in the right mindset. But for a few years when I first got out of it, it was very hard to it was a, a tough thing to do. It was just more frustrating sometimes than it was fun. And that was just all, all mental, you know? Yeah, I guess. Like, if you need to wake up that early, and like you said, like, you're going to go skate and then you're going to be, your body is going to be sore. It just doesn't make sense. Anyway, Brian, I just want to say thank you so much for taking this time. I'm pretty sure a lot of people will appreciate it. And I really, really hope. <laughs> to see more from you on skates anytime soon it really doesn't matter if it's small wheels big wheels and i guess a lot of people have the same opinion i don't know yeah <laughs> i'm talking to me um i guess one thing that i did want to say before this ends that mm -hmm. i really didn't get to say on the last podcast was um just my gratitude and thanks to everybody who's supported me throughout skating and who still comments on anything nowadays. I mean, when I stopped skating, I really never gave like a proper farewell or anything like that, but just want everybody to know those times have always been the best times of my life. And all the moments I shared with everybody at contest and video sections, I'm just happy it happened. And I'm glad to, I, I think, I'll always be a part of skating in some way, even if I'm not doing it every single day. So yeah, just want to say thanks to everybody. Thank you. I guess I'm talking in name of the whole skating community, which is strong as you have, as we have been seeing over the past few months, it's somehow it's stronger than a lot of people think. If you've seen what's been happening with John Julio's new company with, with Rob G, we are there. We are yeah. strong. So thank you yep. so much in in name of that community. And I hope to see you on wheels again. <laughs> Sweet. I hope okay. to see you again too. Thank you so, so much, Brian. Cheers, man. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. And that was it, everyone. Brian Aragon. It's getting a little bit too late for Brian. It's still really early for me. And I really, really hope that you guys enjoy this skate talk there would be a lot more questions to do. There would, I guess we would need a lot more time to do this, but at least we got something done, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> so if you did enjoy this one, do not forget to, to subscribe to this channel. Let me know if you like it. If you didn't like anything, please let me know. I'm sure Brian will also be reading the comments if you drop any comment, and probably is going to be answering some of them. Other than that, Brian said it, and I always say, just don't forget why we all started skating, and that is because it's fun.
Cheers, guys. Vou viver até quando...